to the Weekend Wire. Um, it's a Monday um, version of this. We haven't done that in a little while, but we have a guest today, a recurring guest we've brought on whenever something big happens with the Denver Nuggets, um, and that is Cameron. He's back, um, and him and Aro are going to duke it out today, probably, which will be awesome, and I'm just going to Friendly series. Friendly series. Yeah, friendly series. I'm really happy to be back on. Uh, I remember I was texting. I was uh, I was talk, texting Ara on Thursday night. Like I really hope Phoenix got it because having played the I already played the Lakers. Whenever your team, and especially if it's like a small market team, winds up in a series against the Lakers, it's just never fun. Win or lose, it's never fun. But there's the all of these smaller market teams in the Western Conference. If you're not like a local rival. They all just team up and like we all have fun together because it's not the Lakers. And that was basically, honestly, as a Nuggets fan's perspective, I'm just happy it's not the Lakers because I'll enjoy the series a heck of a lot more. Well, before I give my opinion on this series, I think y'all should just y'all should just go and talk about what y'all think's gonna happen. All you, Cameron. Um, well, I'll kick it off from, from Denver's side. This is, this would have been, and, and with the Nuggets, every postseason conversation this year surrounds, what if Jamal Murray was healthy? But if Jamal Murray was healthy, this would have been an all-timer of a series. I mean, these two teams in the regular season when they played, I'm not entirely sure what the uh, the season series was, but they every, almost every game was entertaining. Um, and almost every game, I believe, went right down to the wire. And it's just two teams executing at a high level. And even though Denver is pretty banged up, you're, you're still going to see that in this series. Um, there's going to be a lot of really quality basketball, a lot of fun basketball. It's just, there's just a ton of, like, really good matchups throughout the series. Yeah, I think the, the first thing that I'll uh, kind of say off the bat is the fact that the season series, and this is something that I think uh, pretty much every podcast that I've listened to that's focused on this series has said is that the first three matchups really don't matter because most of the guys that were playing in those games, um, at least on Denver's side, aren't really yeah. there anymore. Um, Gary Harris is gone. I think Barton is still injured. Uh, yeah, I mean, course, I mean, for Murray. context, yeah, <laughs> pretty much the entire starting, right? The, the You pencil yeah. in your eight-man playoff rotation for the Nuggets, and it probably at the start of the season is any four of Jamal Murray – Will Barton, Gary Harris, and Monte Morris. And Monte Morris is pretty much the only guy on that who's there because obviously we know what happened with Jamal Murray. Gary Harris got traded to the deadline. Will Barton, we'll probably see him this series is my best guess. But, you know, there were people who were saying he'd be back for game one of the Blazers series. And the, the nature of his way. injuries, the <laughs> – with, with all of it, it's it's just hard to pencil Will Barton in. I, he, he'd really be a huge addition to the Nuggets in this series because they need a lead guard who can kind of actually contain themselves at Jokic pick and rolls while also being an auxiliary scoring threat. And from Denver's perspective, that's kind of where Phoenix is really going to have to push it to run it up because Chris Paul – We'll see with his status, but Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they need to be absolutely dominating Facundo Campazzo and, and Austin Rivers. It just – that has to happen. And if from a Nuggets perspective, if you get even like a, 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 an even performance from those two guys against Phoenix's backcourt, that's a huge win. Yeah, um, I think the backcourt is going to be so huge, and we kind of saw it in, in the Portland series as well. Um, and I felt like – uh, you know, maybe Dame kind of tried to make that difference, but CJ at times was just not uh, engaged Ooh. enough, didn't really do enough. Um, yeah, Monte and... Morris outplayed him. Monte Morris yeah, heavily, CJ, which is oh, phenomenal yeah. because Monte Morris his his first playoffs run was a nightmare. I mean, he could not he could not hit the broadside of the barn, and his second playoff run it was a little bit better, but for him to break out in the way that he did games. Games five and six of that series was a crucial, crucial for Denver that they actually got someone in their backcourt who could make those plays. Because 
as all all encompassing as Jokic is, he cannot do it all himself. Yeah, I mean, you saw great, great breakout performances. I mean, of course, MPJ, and I, I'm sure that you're going to talk at length Ooh. about him later. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, Morris, <laughs> what Morris and, and Composo did in the backcourt, I thought really uh, changed the series, especially as it got deeper and deeper, because that's really where you would have thought that Portland would just dominate. You have three um, just exceptional guards. You bring in Norman Powell to be that third scorer. Um, and none of that really panned out, and hopefully it's not the same case for Phoenix. I've seen a lot of comparisons sort of uh, between Phoenix and Portland. I think the main difference, uh, at least for me, is, is more on the defensive side of the ball. I think we can do a little bit more um, in terms of, of guarding the pick and roll um, and in terms of just, I mean, I think one-on-one -on -one defense down the board, I think we're a little bit just more capable. Um, but yeah, I mean, the backcourt is really, really going to have to step up. And, and Booker has uh, sort of been good against the smaller, uh, I guess, defenders, which, I mean, if they try and stick Composo on him, I think he'll be okay. But my best we've guess, seen him also turn the ball over a lot, so I don't know. <laughs> my best guess from Denver's perspective, Composo's probably going to be on Chris Paul, which is going yeah. to be the most entertaining one-on-one -on -one matchup of the series because <laughs> – we're going to set the over-under <laughs> on, like, Both fist ways. fights between Faku Compasso and Chris Paul at probably one and a half for the over-under <laughs> on that because those two guys are going to spend the entire series just getting under each other's skin. Um, my best guess is probably Booker, like, the defensively for the Nuggets. It's going to be either Austin Rivers, who did as well a job as you can reasonably expect um, a non – defensive oriented guard against Dame Lillard he'll probably split it uh but I think Booker's a better matchup for defensively for Aaron Gordon um mm -hmm. they right. that's what I was saying if they yeah if they bring in Gordon then I'll be it's funny Denver because Denver brought in Aaron Gordon specifically right and part of the reason they they dealt Gary Harris in that trade was specifically they looked at the landscape of the Western Conference and they went the LeBrons the Kawhis of the world the Lucas of the world they needed without Jeremy Grant. They didn't have anybody who yeah. could remotely slow those guys down. So they brought yeah. in Aaron Gordon to be that. And your first playoff matchup is against a team that is just completely dominated by guard play. But you know Booker being a taller guard, he, he really plays more like a wing that can just play a two guard. Yeah, I, I would expect Gordon to get the majority of those minutes on on Devin Booker. Yeah, I'll be interested to see see how you guys end up playing that because I think Booker would probably struggle just with the size of Gordon, especially with how much he likes to try and get into the post. I just don't think it's as feasible um, against a guy as big and as strong as Gordon is. Um, I, I think you could probably honestly get away with not having to double as well. I think the Lakers kind of fell into that trap where, you know, if you kind of have KCP, even Caruso at times, you kind of need to bring that double um, especially when he, he tries to drive, which I don't know if necessarily you guys are going to need to bring. Um, I think you guys can kind of sit at home on the shooters a little bit more. Uh, yeah, but... we'll see. Denver, yeah. <laughs> especially in, late in those Portland series, uh, they were throwing the kitchen sink at Dame because it was, it was genuinely a matter of just anybody else. Let anybody else. <laughs> and in both like game five and game six, right, when the Nuggets were making that comeback, in game six when they were fighting to keep it close in game five it was right i mean norman powell carmelo anthony delivering a vintage playoff performance um cj could just mistake after mistake yusuf Nurkic <laughs> doing dumb things uh, it was all sort of it was basically dame lillard and a bunch of guys who were trying to undermine dame lillard's performances and denver's philosophy was send a double get it out of his hands they're not going to be able to do that with the Suns. The Suns have guys that will be able to make them punish on a double. So I think you're just going to see Mike Malone leave, uh, leave Booker in single coverage. My, my best guess is Gordon will get the majority of those minutes. And the, you know, that's why they, that's why they brought him in to be someone who right. neutralize, slow down, whatever you want to say for these, these wings, these scoring wings that are taking over the Western conference. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the only real reason to double Booker would be, again, if he's just kind of hot the way that he was in game six. Yeah. Um, yeah. And outside of that, yeah, I think that you kind of have to just stay at home a little bit. Um, you know, Mikhail's kind of shown that he's willing to take the shots. Um, he, he's kind of doesn't really hesitate anymore. Um, he can also take you off the drive now. Cam Johnson, of course, very willing shooter. Jay Crowder has literally no cap on his confidence uh, level. <laughs> I've never like he will shoot some that you probably shouldn't shoot, but it's all right. Um, him and, so, and yeah, MPJ yeah. will be going at that. Oh, MPJ, yeah. oh, yeah. MPJ heat checks are on another level because he's already <laughs> Michael Porter is already accustomed to taking and making very tough jump shots. Like yeah. what is considered a heat check style shot for 80% of players in the league is not for Michael Porter. So his heat checks are just even more ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to see that. I mean, it should be fireworks um, on that end. I think it will be a little bit more uh, of a free-flowing series than than at least the Suns-Lakers uh, were. It probably will be a little yeah. bit closer to how Denver-Portland was, I think. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, Suns-Lakers is just ugly shooting for a few of those games. Um, I mean, the Lakers no. very much are a team that, especially with AD out, just kind of grinded their opponents. Denver yeah. has they've, – they've had that, right? I'm sure if Mike Malone had his way, they would be that kind of team. But at the same point, a, a lot of it is just much more of a finesse-style game. When you have Nikola Jokic – as the yeah. maestro of that offense, uh, it, it just it just flows naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, the Lakers had to slow it down because they knew they they knew they had didn't have an, enough talent without AD. So they were they were like, let's have LeBron control every possession and do that that kind of way. Yeah. So, it's so, going to be interesting because oh, yeah. that's also the way Denver really likes to play, and and they've honestly been better about it this year. Um, but going back the last couple of years, they're one of the slowest half court teams in the league. Um, and the, it was definitely in the Blazer series. You could tell that advantages were very much dependent upon which team was playing at their tempo because Portland loved to play fast. They loved to run it and gun it in the fast break. And a lot of those big runs the Blazers were on were when they were making stops or getting – uh, getting out you know, off of Denver baskets, to just getting out in transition and, and beating Denver down the floor. Whereas a lot of times it benefited Denver when they would force Portland to take 15, 20 seconds off the shot clock every possession. They could then come back, set up their half-court offense. So that, that battle of tempo and that battle of style has always been something where Denver is used to playing slower. So we'll see how that translates in this series. Yeah, I'll be curious. Uh, I know I said it for the Lakers series as well for the Suns that uh, I think we just have to push as much um, as possible just because uh, I think the easy buckets is, is what kind of ends up being that difference, um, you know, that creates those little 8-0, 10-0 runs. Um, and I think that's going to be another key against Denver as well because I think the less you can kind of play to Denver's slower pace and, and play to, you know, having them set up and, and be able to defend in the half court, I think – that just serves Phoenix so much better, um, you know, especially when you have Booker, when you have, you know, Mikhail running, um, even Aiden, Aiden has been running like crazy, um, which like props to him. Um, but, you know, if we can get easy buckets that way, that, that just changes uh, the series and, and it can be really pivotal in, in certain games. Um, although, I don't know, it's been a weird mix because with Chris Paul, we've kind of seen that he, he likes to slow it down. And, and I think overall we play at one of the slowest paces in the NBA um, which makes for like a weird uh, sort of, you know, you want to push and transition because I think that is where they're probably the best. But I, I think with Chris Paul, there's an understanding that in the playoffs, you do have to, to get the best shot sometimes. So Yeah, yeah do exactly. It, do what CP3 wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not that different from Can't the Nuggets on. offense, which is just do what Jokic wants. Get, get him the yep. ball. <laughs> Everything else figures itself out. Well, let's talk about uh, Jokic versus Aiton and how that's going to go down and what could really be the key to who ends up winning the series. That's, that's, I, that's where I, genuinely for every matchup, right, every Nuggets opponent that they've played in their, their three playoff runs that we're at now, everything just comes back to can you – do you have someone who can genuinely at least contain Jokic one-on-one in the post, right? Because – it's a lose-lose if you don't have that guy. You double him, he'll see it, he'll throw it to the open man. Yeah. You don't double him, which is what the Blazers decided they wanted to do in that series. They were going to let Nurkic and Canner take it. And 
Jokic basically cooked them in the post barbecue chicken all series long. I think with the exception of game four, he had 32 or more in every single one of those games. So he's just a rare breed of there's so many genuinely so many things you can say about him. The NBA MVP he's going to be, he's a top 10 playoff scorer in basketball and he's a top 10 passer out of the post in basketball and that undersells him. So there's just, there's not really an answer, but I will be really interested to see what Aiden does. Cause I remember I, it was really early in Aiden's career. It was like one of his first couple of games, they were in Denver and Jokic put up a 30 point triple double without missing a shot against him. It was, it was one of the more impressive Jokic performances ever. And you were like, all right, welcome to the, welcome to the NBA kid. Here's Nikola Jokic. But I, you know, Jokic did talk before this series, uh, he had a lot of respect for DeAndre Ayton. Um, he had a lot of respect for how he had grown defensively. I believe he said something along the lines of that uh, Ayton's one of the one of those guys that gives him the most trouble in the entire league. So <laughs> there were a lot of praise going back and forth between those two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's so. going to be a really interesting battle because Jokic, obviously, athleticism has never been his forte. He's a basketball savant, and he's going up against one of the most ridiculous physical specimens in the entire <laughs> in the entirety of the league so it's just gonna be a contrast in styles but that'll be a real barometer for how much Aiden has making that made that jump and made that leap oh for sure um you know I, I think he played him pretty well uh, in the regular season I think there was a stat I saw that Jokic was at least shooting at about uh 51 percent uh like true shooting wise uh yeah. compared to like 75 percent when he's guarded by anybody else yeah. um so I think the eight minutes are going to be huge. I think the foul trouble is what I'm most worried That's about. That's what a lot of people kind of saw with Nurkic. Yeah. Yep. The, and I think Blazers, that really is going to be the difference. Yeah. I mean, Nurkic lost that series for the Blazers. He genuinely did. <laughs> yeah. um, like, right. But I mean, game Got six. Foul Portland, trouble. Has, yep. <laughs> Portland has that fantastic half. Uh, they're up good amount going into the, the second half. And as you're, you know, from a Nuggets fan perspective, like they were one MPJ quarter hot streak away from just being run off the court in that in that game in that first half and Nurkic hadn't picked up a foul Jokic was playing sloppily he was settling it it was just nothing was working and then third quarter comes out Nurkic picks up four fouls they got to take them off and the defensive rating for against Jokic for like Cancer and Hollis Jefferson and something like it's above 160. It's above 170. It just straight turnstiles. Jokic got whatever he Jokic could get whatever he wanted against any Blazer that wasn't Yusuf Nurkic. And we'll see. You know, I don't know. I, I, I doubt the Suns have a guy who can come off their bench in place to Dayton. So I would expect it, Jokic, we're looking at Kaminsky minutes and Dario no. Sarge minutes. Oh, no. So we don't want that. <laughs> that is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it could get ugly. I don't know what's yeah. worse. And is Cantor on Jokic or Kaminsky on Jokic? Kaminsky. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah. Listen, I watched in his Cantor minutes on Jokic, and it was not pretty in any way. But, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a, like a dedicated effort um, from the Nuggets. You know, Jokic will pull out bags of tricks. Um, he loves – to catch it, wind up into his shot, and try and get you off your feet before he drives. I believe he got a foul on Nurkic doing exactly that. Um, but I, I would expect them to kind of hunt Aiden in the post. He's a younger player. They're probably going to hunt him out, say, you got to have the composure in this in this situation to, to not use your energy and not use your fouls. But I, I do genuinely think that's where the series could be turned because for the Nuggets, there's just – there's no one – and – Right. MPJ has been a elite shot maker. There's no one who can really create offense on that roster outside of Nikola Jokic. Right. MPJ, insane shot maker. Not he, he doesn't have that tight of a handle, doesn't have much in his bag. He doesn't need it because he can just shoot over anybody. But he's not the guy you're like, OK, bring it up the court every time. Initiate the it's Jokic. Jokic is doing everything right now because Jamal Murray is out. So if the, the, the difference between whether he's at 85% or hundred or 110% of his production is what's going to swing this entire series. Yeah. Um, you know, Aiton's, uh, I mean, for, from the Suns perspective, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot about Aiton and it, and it was against the Lakers and he, I, I thought he defended AD great. Um, I thought he was, 
Uh, he stayed out of foul trouble for the most part. I think there was one game where he picked up, uh, I think, four fouls pretty early on. Um, but outside of that, uh, he, he stays down um, for the most part, which I think has been probably the most impressive change for him um, that I've kind of seen throughout the season where, where he has kind of learned to, to, the fact that he has these like freakishly long arms to go along with like a seven foot frame that you don't need to jump on like every contest. Um, so I, I think he's been getting better at that. Uh, he's uh, he's going to have a lot of people in his ear uh, throughout the series a lot, telling him, that, yeah, don't foul, don't foul, stay down. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, you know, if, if we can kind of turn Jokic into a scorer, I think we're better off than if he's passing. Um, but again, I mean, like we've seen Jokic go for insane number it, scoring wise too. So. Denver and, and, and maybe it is the, the way that this iteration of the, of the team is constructed, but especially last year, um, I, I've always kind of been of the belief that if you're Denver, you send that double and you dare other nuggets to make open shots. Um, because Wait, MPJ shooting, I don't know. <laughs> not MPJ. Let's be very clear. No, not yeah, MPJ. yeah. yeah. MPJ is <laughs> Everyone else, something yeah. like fifty. He's like shooting like fifty-five percent on his open catch and shoot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not him. Anybody with him. almost like fifty-two, right? So I, I don't know. But, <laughs> right. Composo cannot really shoot at a high enough clip for yeah. that to be worthwhile. Austin Rivers, to his credit, hit a lot of big shots in that series. Throughout that series, yeah. he hit a lot of big shots. Um. MPJ self-explanatory and Aaron Gordon was kind of the same thing of like you don't expect Aaron Gordon to by any means be a marksman but he was two for two in that game six shots he was two for two in that game six and both of them were huge momentum shifting threes so yeah maybe maybe with this iteration of the Nuggets oddly enough they actually have enough shot makers around Jokic that suddenly you you kind of are in a might actually be better if he's scoring twos as opposed to them scoring threes but it's going to be a really tough call um, because yeah. you're just you're just stuck in a pick your poison spot of if you double him, you know he's going to get it out. If you don't double him, between his footwork and just his touch around the rim, he's going to shoot above fifty percent. Right, the numbers you brought yeah. up that it's like he was shooting fifty one percent shooting <laughs> this eight, and you're like, oh, that's kind of it's kind of for Jokic. That's a bad night. It just yeah. shows how insane he absolutely is, but. You know, if, if and especially if Aiden doesn't foul, and I imagine the Suns will probably mirror Aiden, do exactly what the Blazers did. They will mirror Aiden's minutes yeah. to Jokic's minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Late in this series, right, late in the Portland series, the effects of Jokic's workload began to show. And you could tell he was gassed, right? He still put up MVP numbers because he's the MVP, but you can tell he's gassed because he's, for the Nuggets right now, doing everything he is initiating offense he is making shots he's setting things up for other guys every single thing on that offense comes comes through Jokic and then on the other end all of these pick and roll actions right he's got to come up (laughs) five feet five feet past the three-point line to guard Dame Lillard and then get back to protect the role right his the notion that there was ever a question about Jokic's conditioning has to be put to bed because he is just completely grinding and giving everything. And that is coming off the bubble, which we saw what it did to Boston. We've seen what it did to Miami. We saw what it did to the Lakers. Nuggets just keep on rolling uh, because Jokic, Jokic just can do it. Um, yeah. Adam Mares, who is from DNBR Nuggets, and one of the most connected guys on Jokic, saw Jokic and was one of the first guys to say, hey, this dude's special. Uh, he always made the comparison that Jokic was a goldfish uh, and that he would grow to the size of his bowl. And that genuinely has been this season, right? The, the bowl has gotten immensely larger for him, but he stepped up to fill it because he, that's, that's, he's Jokic. That's what he does. He just delivers. Um, so yeah, the difference um, is going to uh... be, can you slow him down? But there's no real effective way to neutralize him. That's, that's why he's the MVP. Oh yeah. And, and I don't think that, uh, you know, as a Suns fan, I don't think the Suns can expect to, to stop him. You just can't, um, you try and slow him down as much as you can. And, uh, you kind of have to, to take, I think 
from my perspective, I think it, it is more about taking everything else away um, from that team as much as you can. And, and I think that in, in terms of at least doubling, I, I think the only real doubles that you'll see from Jokic will probably come either from Booker um, and then kind of set up in a weird zone outside of that. And then, or you kind of will see some digs from Chris Paul and maybe a, a sneaky steal here or there. Um, but I, I mean, they'll probably... My best guess on their system is they'll they'll shade their doubles to get it to specific guys, right? Because yeah, oh yeah. If you play right, you watch. You're playing against the Nuggets. You know that Jokic is going to to pick it apart and find the right guy. So it's almost a you're kind of picking which guy is left open, right? So if yeah. they're sending right, if Jokic is in the post against Aiden, you send the double from the opposite wing, and let's just say it's Booker. Then if you're doing that, if you're doing that two on three action on the opposite side of the court, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys is just on MPJ and they're just like, you're not going to get it now. Granted game five, Jokic with two guys on him, it's like beckoning, like, come on, Aaron Gordon, come (laughs) cut. Right. So Aaron Gordon cuts and then Jokic gets Covington, who was in that spot of I'm not letting you pass the MPJ gets him forward enough that you can just arch it over the top and send it in perfectly. One of the craziest passes I've ever seen him. Yeah. Um, No, that was an all timer. He just, he, the way the, the processing power that he has to right Cause I, I went back and I looked at that and thanks to the TNT broadcast, like we have that shot clock on the floor. Genuinely from the time Gordon started cutting to the time Jokic just threw that pass. It was like 1.8 seconds. Like wow. Gordon took two steps and the ball was out of Jokic's hands. It's it's it, it, it boggles your mind every single time. And I I will never ever ever understand how people can say that Jokic is not fun to watch because he dissects the court at lightning speed and he can just he can put the ball wherever he needs it to put it on the court. It's it's insane. Oh yeah, no, I mean that, that's. Again, uh, I think that's the scariest thing um, going against him is that you know that like a little slip up. And, and like you said, I mean, it, it's literally all it takes is two steps of a cut and he's already seen the defense react and it, it's done, right? You're, you're, and you're that, done. At that you're point, cut. you're just hoping that, yeah, at that point, you're just hoping that they miss the open shot. And Which, uh, the way when it went shooting, to MPJ, it's not happening. Yep. That ball, you knew that the entire building knew that ball was good before it left MPJ's hands, man. That's the, oh, that yeah. is the benefit, the luxury <laughs> of having a jumper as pretty as his is. You just know what's going in. You just know when that thing is locked on. Yeah. Um, um, uh, predictions? From Denver, uh, that, this, right, the Portland series was, um, Denver, Denver really wanted that Portland series for a multitude of reasons. Um, there is the the couple of years ago when the Blazers, I think, officially eliminated Denver like two games before the playoffs and Yusuf Nurkic said, have a nice summer. Uh, right. So, I mean, there's that. There's the fact that they lost to him in seven in 2019 in the second round. Um, there's the mellow situation. That was a real revenge kind of series. Uh, revenge is a, be- is a dish best served cold kind of series. And like they, they broke the Blazers. Uh, they, they completely broke the Blazers. This series for Denver is a lot more gravy. Um, I, I think just Phoenix is just the more talented roster on paper right now. And that's a different story if Jamal Murray's healthy. That's a different story if Will Barton and PJ Dozier are healthy. But if, if Denver is going to have to spend the majority of the series with Compazzo and Rivers as their guard rotation, anything's great. They win this series phenomenally. You go into the Western Conference Finals. If they lose it, Jokic gets much-deserved rest. You can rest your heads knowing that help they, they can hold their heads high knowing that they advance to the second round without six of their guards. Um, but because it's the Nuggets, because they will never do anything easy, and because it's they are the most resilient basketball team I've ever seen, I expect this series to go six or seven games. In the end, I, I, I think the Suns probably take it, though. I think they're overall the more talented roster, and, I, you know, maybe they don't have a Dame kind of shot maker. Devin Booker's close, though, yeah. but they're, they're just a more balanced <laughs> team. They're yeah. a more balanced team 
they're a deeper team than the Blazers are. They're not going to lose the bench minutes as much as the Blazers did in that series because that was another area where Denver really pushed oh, its yeah. advantage was Portland was not confident in anybody coming off the bench for them. Phoenix will be more confident in that. They're a better defensive team, kind of because they actually try to play defense. Um, Much better defensive team, yeah. <laughs> and for as oh, good as Jokic is, and for as much as I say, never doubt Jokic, through Jokic, all things are possible, I, I, my guess is Suns taking it six. Uh, yeah, I'm actually uh, the same way. I think Suns in six, but I think, like, I, I would not be surprised by Denver in six. I wouldn't be surprised by Denver in seven. Um, I can just see uh, – I, I can't see the series going any less than six games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's just – yeah, I, I think the defense is just uh, going to be good enough, um, just good enough. It's going to be very close. Uh, and I think, yeah, offensively, uh, what I saw from, from Phoenix in the opening round, I think a lot of it can carry over. Um, of course, there were you know some insane shot making from Booker towards the end, um, but I think a lot of the shots that, that we got throughout the series for some of the other guys uh, were very makeable, and they started to fall in towards the end of the series. They didn't really fall in too much in the first three games, um, and I, I think they're kind of finding their groove now. Uh, Crowder has like flipped a switch there, it felt like, in game five, um, and I think that will be just enough to push them over the edge, um, but it, it's going to be close. It is going to be so close. It is going to be nerve-wracking. Um, expect multiple OTs. Um, and yeah, it's, <laughs> multiple it's, OTs. It'll be fun. Knowing the Nuggets, multiple <laughs> OTs in one game is not out of the question. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say, I'm going Denver. Um, okay. Okay. I when it when it comes to series like these that just seem like it's a toss up and like we said we don't think it's going less than six in any scenario really. Um, I sort of t- turn to see who I think the best player in the series is. I think it's pretty obvious that it's Jokic. Um, Aiton is a pretty good option, honestly, on him, but I think Jokic is super crafty enough. Um, to get some of these calls, to find angles, to attack. Um, I think MPJ is a little bit more of a matchup issue for for um, any team, really. But I think I think Mikhail can sort of stick on him well. But that's going to well be as... a really interesting, right? There's there's a lot of really good matchups. Yeah. Mikhail Bridges and Michael Ford is going to be a really good matchup. And I think it'll be like development wise. I think it's going to be a really good matchup for MPJ because Mikhail is not going to give him his his kind of his bread and butter game very easily because he's probably one of the a few guys in basketball who are athletic enough to contain MBJ on the perimeter but also tall enough to genuinely bother him in terms of his shot making right that if MBJ is insane guard right if MBJ when he's yeah. guarded by Norman Powell when he's guarded by like even Bello it's just it's just a he can get right, his right, shot right. over and the, his ability to make tough shots over people is insane but being matched with someone with the athletic capabilities that Bridges has, he's going to have to adapt. Uh, again, like he, he, he genuinely continues to impress me with just kind of the way he handles himself. Um, There's a lot of narrative that's been out there about MPJ. Um, in that game six, um, when they were making the comeback, right? Michael Porter, who had 22 points in that first quarter, um, voluntarily, went to Michael Malone and said, hey, the, the guys they got in right now are rolling. Keep them in down the stretch. Keep Michael Green in down the stretch. And MBJ did not play. He did not close out that game, uh, that closeout game six. He was on the bench. And Michael Green got the offensive rebound that I think wound up leading to Aaron Gordon's dagger three. So there's a lot of narrative about MPJ, but he has very much been a selfless teammate. Um, and he's just someone who continues to impress me. I think he's only going to get better. I think the series is going to be a really good test for him, a really good matchup. And I think it will um, help highlight where he can improve because at 22 with his, with his ethic, sky's the limit for the kid. Genuinely. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Denver so resilient as they are. Um, I think they're being kind of underrated in this spot. And I just have such belief in Jokic come playoff time. He's been a monster his entire career, really. So that's. I mean, listen, through, through Jokic, all things are possible, right? From a Nuggets perspective, never say never because 
Jokic can make anything happen. He could solve world peace. If anybody was going to do it, it would be him. <laughs> he's, he's unlike anything I, the league has honestly ever seen. Um, he he oh, genuinely yeah. is the, the new age Larry Bird. And this, this Nuggets team, <laughs> it's a nice position to be in because honestly, like getting him rest ahead of next season might not be a horrible thing, right? He doesn't necessarily need another long playoff run. Um, and my guess is they'll probably have Jamal Murray back by the 22 playoffs. And, I, you know, they'll probably maybe slow roll him into that. But my guess is that team is going to be, barring any other injuries, a genuine contender in 2022. So oh, they might be my favorite for next year already. <laughs> Loki. Seeing how Tim Connolly, this year. Tim Connolly, almost in, I believe, the summer of 2019, almost joined the Wizards uh, as their GM. Oh. Didn't need to. He's already a wizard. He's <laughs> oh, already yeah. one. He's, he's oh, worth yeah. magic. Yeah. As the roster he's put together. I mean, uh, we, we've texted about it too. I mean, it's just going to be the next decade you can expect to see. Yeah. These two teams, these two teams are on really on, on the rise. Like there's, there's yeah. a couple you're looking at in the Western conference, but you know, I think Dallas will be there. We'll see with Utah. Um, the, I think for Utah, it's now or never, right? If they're going to win with this, Utah's board, window is closing. Yeah, Utah. It, this Utah will not get an opportunity like this again to win. JT, to win a title. <laughs> no, I do. So we'll um, we'll see with them, but yeah, yeah I, I look at the West for the next decade. It's going to be Nuggets, Suns, Mavs. I think the Grizzlies can work up in there. Um, oh, the Grizzlies, yeah, and I'm I'm not alone on Nuggets Twitter and people who share this opinion of like. Like, the Grizzlies remind me of the 2018 Nuggets. Like, they are a team oh. that is kind of on that track. And, you know, I'm not saying John Morant turns into a Jokic kind of player, but they've got a lot They've got a lot of good pieces on that roster, and I would not be surprised to see them make a couple of jumps uh, over the next couple of years. But, yeah, this I, I don't think this is the last we'll see of these two teams as presently constructed, and uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a really fun series. And I think just the, a lack of bad blood, like because there there was bad yeah. blood with the Portland series. Any Lakers series is going to be bad blood. Oh, there's always it's bad gonna blood be, between us and the Lakers. <laughs> it's going to be a really enjoyable series between two really well-run teams with very good players who play basketball the right way. And uh, from a fan's perspective. It's just it's gonna be a, a a tremendous, tremendous series, and I'm really excited for it. All right. Well, um, I'll go nuggets in seven, just because I didn't say games, but um, yeah, I think it's gonna be really tight. And next up we're gonna do the second uh, semifinal series in the West. We've got Jazz Clippers. Um, Clippers were able to hold off the Mavs yesterday. In game seven. Somehow, yeah, with just an insanely good shooting performance from three. Kawhi was great as always. Luka kind of ran out of gas towards the end and really had no supporting cast to help him. KP really disappeared once again. So, well, I mean, um, even Hardaway kind of disappeared towards the end, too. Oh, yeah. Hardaway disappeared. Hardaway was one for nine from three in this game. Yeah. But he just really had no one else who was stepping up besides, like, I guess you could say Dorian Finney-Smith. But... Um, yeah, back-to-back offensive boards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jazz Clippers, this is a matchup that we talked about. Um, we, did a, we did a long stretch of a podcast um, about them um, earlier in the year when they played on a primetime game. But um, now, that, now that Cameron has hopped out after his spiel, the Nuggets, um, we're going to talk about this series and – get it going. Um, what do you think is going to happen? I think, I think this might be even a bigger toss up than the Nuggets Sun series. Maybe. I, I have, man, I, I want to say the Clippers have like the smallest of edges, but like, it's so tough because like the way that Dallas pushed them, I think Utah is a little bit of a, just a deeper team and they have so many more options. And uh, that could be like I, I don't know how much of what we saw from Kawhi in that first round can we see in the second round, right? Does he have it in him to deliver like 
like you called it God mode performance. Like that's what it felt like, right? Like he was like, I'm not letting us lose this series. Game six at um, least, yeah. Game six, yeah. And, and like I've never – I don't think anybody's really seen that in, in a while from him. Um, didn't quite see it the same way last year. I think he kind of faded away towards the end of that Denver series. So um, I'm curious to see, see how that works out. He's probably got – maybe an easier time against some of these Utah wings. Uh, I would think that he'd either have Ingles or maybe Bogdanovich on him, which I don't love that matchup if I'm Utah. Um, but we also saw him kind of Well, I think it would have a West Neal on him, probably. But you think so? But isn't he – like, he's too small, I think, right? Like, he's just going to shoot over well, him. Well, I think Ingles kind of likes the matchup with PG is the only reason. Yeah, why yeah, yeah. In- Ingles and PG, yeah. <laughs> But I don't know. I don't think Royce can, can handle that. To be he's honest. a little smaller. Yeah. He's a little bit smaller. He's um, also, I don't think he's going to start, right? Because they're going to start as long as Conley's healthy. Well, yeah, they kind of, they, they play around with the lineups a lot, but um, right. Conley's, Conley's, what is the deal with Conley? Is he, is he going to be back for game one? No one knows. I don't think anyone really knows, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't okay, seen yeah. Because I haven't seen something out of I haven't seen something out of there in a little while. Yeah, I mean, last thing I can really find is like two days ago, but that's just kind of like the same deal where he's day to day. Some mild hamstring strain, so like I don't really know what that means. Um, we're seeing Embiid play with a mild torn meniscus so Which like unbelievable by the way like that this. even yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't believe that happened. um but uh, I, I really don't know yeah if Conley's healthy i'm taking the jazz okay um i like that i i've yet to be impressed with the clippers in a playoff series with this pg Kawhi duo i've yeah. like i was had they won in five versus the mavericks i would have been impressed maybe had they won in six but it went seven with the Mavs this year. It went six with the Mavs last year, and then they lost to Denver. But, but were you impressed with how Utah played against Memphis? Because I saw a lot of people saying that, yeah, like Utah, I was really impressed with Utah. I thought they made the adjustments, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was yes. actually. But they because... also – go ahead. I thought, I, thought, I thought Memphis was kind of a bad matchup for them anyway um, because Clippers of – Clippers are also, right? Like, I don't know. I think uh, yes, but I, I think Valanciunas in particular was a really weird matchup for Gobert, and he had to sort of overcome that. And the game one stuff, just having Mitchell come out like that at the very end. I think if Mitchell plays, oh, they, yeah. they probably sweep. Um, and yeah, the fact that they were able to win in five after losing game one was pretty impressive to me. Like really, games three game four were kind of close. I think right. So I, I don't. Yeah, know. I, I there was one one game of those. Four, that, I think one of game out, but... three. Four, they were able to like pull away like immediately yeah. in the fourth quarter with with Mitchell. But I mean, game two, game five were complete blowouts. Both both games yeah. they played in Utah, um, and they almost were able to win in game one. So I was I was actually pretty impressed because I think I think Memphis was sort of a underrated team going into that uh, series. Yeah. And I, th- I think like if Dallas had played Memphis in a playoff series, it would have been pretty close. So pretty close. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, and and like you said, could be now or never for Utah. Um, I I don't yeah. know if I feel as strongly as you and Cameron do about that, just because I think Mitchell can still find a way to go up a level here, um, and they might okay. not need yeah. if Mitchell just sort of slides to that full time point guard role. If if Conley decides mm. he goes somewhere mm. else or just becomes too old to be effective anymore, I think that's yeah. a, that's an out yeah. that they have. Um, Maybe you slide Royce O'Neal just as the two guard if you do that. So, I, I yeah, I, I think I think Mitchell. It's a tough matchup for him in that he's going to have PG and Kawhi just on him all the time. But I think I think Gobert's going to have some success in this matchup just because the Clippers don't have anything inside. Um, and well, I'll be the, curious about Zubac. I'll be curious to see how much he ends up playing. Um, Zubac is. How well he he, I don't think he's like creative enough. Offensively, to sort of oh, give Gobert any good enough, yeah, yeah, any problems, and yeah. and the three point shooting just between like whoever hits more threes in a certain game, it's just going to be a, <laughs> go a long way of deciding the series because he's the yeah. like, 
two of the highest volume and best percentage teams in the league that just have a lot of guys up and down the roster, up and down the bench that can just shoot and score a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the home court advantage for Utah is going to be big. They have a huge edge for that. Staples even in Game Seven yeah, yesterday was just not the energy was weird the whole game. Yeah. Um, and it's not the same. Yeah, I I think given all that, um, I don't know about Conley. I just don't. It, it's it's really we haven't. I mean, Game One is until tomorrow night, but we haven't gotten really any update on him since Game Five. And I, no, I was watching not. Game Five honestly once once it became like a thirty point game. So. Um, as far as that goes, because I, I do think he's someone who could give the Clippers a lot of issues because they don't really have anyone to, to defend point guards. So, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards that. Yeah, I think if Conley if Conley's able to play at all, if, you think if Conley doesn't done. miss a game, I'm going to lean Jazz. If he misses two games, I'll go Clippers because I think I think it's close. Man, um, uh, you're almost talking me into going with the Jazz here, because uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, I think. Yeah, Conley is sort of a weird matchup nightmare. Uh, I think even Mitchell is not ideal, but like I, I don't know. Paul George kind of impressed me with the defense that he was playing in the last couple of games. Um, I thought he seemed really locked in at least and focused. And I mean, we know bit of a defender he is when he when he's like that. Um, so I'll be I'll be curious to see how they kind of play that out. Um, they have a plethora of wings, so you're not really worried about you know them rotating in Ingles, Bogdanovich, whoever it is. You're not really too worried about that. Um, from a team defense perspective, I, I don't know if I love it. Um, I was listening to game seven on the radio, uh, the Clippers Dallas game. So I didn't watch it. So I don't know what kind of looks Dallas was actually getting. Um, if there were like good looks or not, not nearly as good as the ones the Clippers were getting because they sat okay. in the zone the whole game. Okay. Um, um so I, I don't know. Like, I mean, is Utah going to get? quality looks and can they hit tough shots right like I, I don't know well I think Utah um, has a has a way better supporting cast than Dallas did and I think the fact that Dallas is able to take the right. seven at all with Porzingis being the way that he was was pretty but Luca was also playing out of his mind and I, I don't think that anybody on Utah is going to play like that I, I don't think Mitchell true. just can do that you know like Mitchell is not that kind of guard that he's going to pick you apart he's going to get you to switch off him and then he's going to find the right guy like always right Dallas shot their shot out of their minds the first two games right and yeah so i, I but do you think they, utah you know, does, has like that. that in them though right they, so they that's the thing that. yeah so. yeah so I, I don't know especially at home like you said um and they have home court um which apparently didn't mean a whole lot to the corporates <laughs> earlier but <laughs> um, <laughs> you know I, I think i think against utah it was a little bit different um the altitude uh, i think it's just i, I don't yeah. know I, I i we had one of my big bold predictions before we started this whole season was that Utah was going to make the Western Conference Finals. It, it that feels, is true. Yeah. It feels wrong to me <laughs> to just go away from that because I'm scared of Kawhi and what he can be. And yes, that would be the thing that <laughs> terrifies me. scary though, isn't it? <laughs> but the Clipper, like, we didn't doubt, like, I'm going to think the Clippers are just going to Clipper and they're going to fold and I just don't know. <laughs> If I thought they were going to do that against Dallas, and they didn't. Utah, so now, Utah is like, the more rested team. They they have they have lots of yes. little advantages that I just don't. And I think the Go Bear thing is actually a huge deal. What do you mean? Oh, it's just like him not really having any sort of trouble. The, the Clippers just will have no answer for him. And any like it, even even yeah, him I, getting I like his little dunks. Like I, yeah. I just don't know like how how they're going to be able to stop that kind of stuff. They might stick Kawhi on to be honest with you. Um, Great. <laughs> you love that, yeah. Well, then that takes him off Mitchell. I mean, I, I, like. Well, I, I think they're going to stick with Paul George on Mitchell until Mitchell, like, proves that he can just beat Paul George okay. straight up, you know? Well, he he did that in 2018. Mitchell was torching Paul George, so. Right. So, I, I don't know. I'd be worried about it. But. Yeah. I, he was also, like, Paul George in the little bits that I saw of the second half of that Dallas series he looked locked in. Like he, he's looked the most locked yeah. in that I've ever seen. He did, he did look better. You know? He did look better. Like, yeah. So that's why I'm like, I, I don't know. Maybe this isn't the same Paul George that we're used to. Uh, maybe he is Pfizer P as you so like to call him. And I, I think that, I, I don't know. Kawhi is just hard for me to get past because I don't think Utah has anybody that can stop him. Cause I, the way yeah. that you stop Kawhi has to be someone that's a little bit bigger than him and can move laterally 
and uh, can kind of bother him when he goes up to shoot, right? And you need length for that, and nobody on Utah has that kind of length. That that's also fast enough. Yeah, Bogdanovich so, does, but he's not quick enough. But he's not fast enough. <laughs> like he's just gonna get beat. Yeah. Beat. So I, I don't know. That, that's my. I don't know. I, it's this one's tough. I think it. I think it really depends on what Conley is looking like. And yeah. I think it goes seven either way. I'm still going Utah on seven. I'll go Clippers in seven. But, I picked them to be in the finals, so now I'm like, ah, I got to stick with them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so that is it for the West. Um, we'll move on to recapping these game ones for the East um, and sort of, I guess, predicting what we think will happen in the rest of the series. Uh, we'll do we'll do Nets-Bucks first. Um, so game one, 30 seconds in, basically. Harden comes up limping um, with his hamstring, the same one Very that sad. he's had injured all year. Um and the Bucks decide decided in this game to start PJ Tucker instead of DiVincenzo because DiVincenzo is out for the rest of the year with that foot injury. Um, Bucks early they own a thirteen to two run. They have nine second chance points in the first quarter alone. They're just dominating inside, um, so that was pretty impressive. But Coach Bud reared his ugly head again and didn't play <laughs> so his best players enough. Um, Blake Griffin was incredible for Brooklyn. He was really he had the most intensity of anyone on the team, anyone in the whole game probably. Um, was getting scrappy. He was hitting some threes. Mike James was running offense pretty well when Kyrie sat. Um, and I, I just think like the the ball movement that Brooklyn had was was a little too much for Milwaukee to keep up. Milwaukee ran. They put out some weird lineups out there. To be fair, they put out some. There was a lot, a little more Jeff Teague, I think, than than. You, you would have hoped if you were rooting for the Bucks, and um, maybe some more body Bobby Portis in place of Giannis. Um, I thought KD looked really good on defense. Um, yeah, like moving okay. movement wise, and KD and Kyrie didn't didn't really shoot like amazingly, and they were still <laughs> they were still able to win pretty comfortably. To be fair, the Bucks shot horrible um, from three, which we said before the series. Like if they don't shoot well. Kind of yeah, right? and yeah. Giannis didn't play enough. Middleton was six for twenty-three. There was a point in the third quarter where the Bucks had, were shooting seventeen percent outside the paint, and the paint was kind of like where like Brook Lopez was a huge factor in the first half. He was just kind of like bullying the Nets guys down there. But um, yeah, I think if you're Milwaukee, if you're a Milwaukee fan, I think that was pretty discouraging. I I, I like just without Harden, like just the Nets like game planning to where you just immediately don't have Harden, and like the fact that the Bucks weren't able to take advantage of that, and a lot of it maybe is just the threes, but I don't know. It seems like KD yeah. got whatever he wanted. I mean, that, that's the thing that like I think I'd be discouraged from the perspective of like yes, this was probably their best opportunity to steal a game on the road with Harden out. Um, and the three-point shooting, Middleton playing terrible. Like, I don't know, between all that, like, to end up losing. And I think the score is probably a little bit – it probably should have been a double-digit loss. Um, but they kind of closed it up towards the end. But um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's the shooting for me, man, and, like, the weird lineups. And But I, I don't know if he fixes that, to be honest with you, because, like, the way that he was talking after the game didn't make it really seem like he was – planning on playing Giannis a whole lot more or anything like that. So I'm, I don't know if this is just what we're going to from the Bucks throughout the series. Um, man, I don't know. It's not a great look, uh, but I think they're positives, right? Giannis had a really good game. Um, Brooke Lopez seems okay. Um, and I don't know if you're going to see that kind of performance out of Blake Griffin again, right? So – yeah, I don't know. Uh, there, there. I think that there are more anomalies in that game than there aren't. If that makes sense. I think so too, but I also think it's a game. It's a game that the Bucks probably sh- still should have won, and they. Yeah. It, it's it's a game that the Nets already have. They can check it off, and they only need three more. And the, while the Bucks need four, Nets still have home court and Harden. If I had to guess, he's not coming back. Which it sounded like it was bad. Yeah, no, like 
Yeah, it didn't look bad. Like from the video, it didn't really look bad. But um, it said it, what, Nash's comments the, after the game. Yeah, the medical report. I thought was, he died. <laughs> yeah, like the medical report just said hamstring tightness, which doesn't sound bad, but it, it seems yeah. seems worse than they're making it out to be. Um, and if they can survive this, um, they can survive anything. I think so. I, 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 oh, yeah. I know, I'm still I'm still riding with the Nets here just because I, I think they looked like the more playoff experienced team in that game, and the, the Bucks kind of looked scared. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no, like I, I mean, I see what you're saying, and I, I think it's it's totally fair to be a little bit skeptical about how the Bucks are, are going to do moving forward. Um, adjustments aren't really their strong suit. So that kind That's of worries worried me about. a little like, bit. I, I think yeah. I think there's there's so many there are like a list of things that like you could you could do differently. I just don't know if Bud is going to do them. And they, yeah, and game one doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in that. Yeah, either. especially but, defensively. Um, like I, I don't know. I think I think it's an easy it's an easy thing to just be like Giannis attack the rim every time. Like he like that's sort yeah. of like him doing it rather than Bud being like, oh, we're not going to switch this anymore. Like. Right. Yeah. Just a, a lot of stuff like that. But, like, they're still playing drop on Kyrie off the pick and roll. Like, that's death. KD's <laughs> little baseline um, pull-up is, like, unstoppable now. And that he's, yeah. he's back to, to that form where he was. Um, so yeah, I'm feel I feel I feel pretty decent about the Nets. I, I do think I think the Bucks are definitely going to be shorter now or no? No, um, no. Okay. I, I just I think because I think the Bucks will see some some shooting success in Game Two. Yeah. Like I, I like I think the Bucks are going to win Game Two probably just because mm-hmm. I think I think their their shooting is going to be back. Um, and yeah, but if if the Nets are able to take a two zero lead, it could be over. Because I, I, I don't know. Two all feels like death. Yeah. That's uh, done. Damn. Yeah, that's a big game. Probably the biggest game, too, out of all the series. Because I think even Philly going down 2 0 doesn't feel like it's the end of the world. Really? It's problematic. I, uh, it's problematic, but I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, okay, well, let's, talk, let's talk about them. Um, so, Philly, <laughs> in this game, they decide they're going to put. Ben Simmons on Bogdanovich, and they're going to put Danny Green on Trey Young. Spoiler alert, alert, it goes horribly. Trey Young gets whatever he wants in the entire first half. Um, he's just kicking out the shooters. He's scoring. He's doing the floater. He's lobbing it to Capella. All that stuff that we saw versus the Knicks is pretty much the same, even a little worse defensively for Philly, honestly. Um, That's not good. <laughs> yeah. That's really the Sixers looked really, really rusty. To be fair, they had seven turnovers in the first ten minutes of the first quarter. I think they ended up with nine or ten in the quarter itself, um, which is horrible. The Hawks were able to build a 15-point lead coming out of the first quarter. They put 42 um, on the Sixers in that quarter. And then Doc um, goes with this all-bench lineup to start the second quarter when they're already down 15. Um, and the Hawks yep. extend their little run there between the first and second quarters. They actually go on a 17, 17-0 run that ends with some Tobias Harris free throws. But the the Hawks just kept generating good look after good look from three, um, and that really that really continued until the Sixers decided to get super aggressive on defense um, in like the last, I don't know, five, six minutes of the game. Where they actually start throwing some different looks at Trey. Finally, they put Simmons on. They they did put Simmons on him to start the third quarter, and they were able to sort of gradually come back. But they were still down by a lot, like by twelve or so, with five minutes left. And then they started trapping, started doubling, trying to just really get the ball out of his hands. They had like Tybal like playing the playing the safety position a little bit. Um, High school defense. Yeah, like. In, <laughs> The Sixers got super aggressive. They they cut that lead to seven with about a minute thirty left, um, and they cut it to three actually before Bogdanovich hits this incredible three where it's just like a desperation pass from Trey, and he has to actually like almost pick the ball up from the floor and just launch it, and it goes in, it silences the crowd completely. And then they cut it to three again, and they cut it to two when the Sixer the the Hawks suddenly can't inbound the ball. There's this crazy. There's this amazing pass by Kevin Herter where he just sort of throws it ahead and 
lands right right in uh, Bogdanovich's hands, and Embiid has to do a clear path foul to stop it, which is actually the difference in the game. Those two free throws that Bogdanovich hit after that clear path foul, but the Sixers were able to really come back here after being down, you know, twenty to twenty-five points for most of the game. And it, that that aggressive defense, we see it early and often in game two. I think they can win. I just don't know if they can do it. The question is, can they do I don't that? know if they can do it. Yeah, that's yeah it's a lot of effort for, for Simmons yeah. to just be running around like that. And Embiid yeah. coming off the injury, he had a great game. He looked he looked really good, actually. I, I did not – I thought he would be pretty hobbled, and he looked a lot better than, yeah. than I think anyone could have expected. So, I mean, 39 points, man. Like, that's – yeah, he's pretty joking. dominant. Yeah. 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 So. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of also what you expect from Doc at this point too, right? With like same similar kind of deal with Bud where like the adjustments and the rotations just seem a little bit weird um, until it appears to be a little bit too late. Yeah. Um, you got to go quarter to quarter. You can't go like game by yeah. game, you know? Like, yeah. That's the problem. And, and Bud is even like – game like three games at a time like yeah years at a time years yeah Uh, (laughs) um yeah i mean that's the that's the thing and atlanta apparently i mean they they don't pick you apart right same thing we saw with with the knicks that if you kind of struggle just a little bit they can just kind of blow it out of out of proportion just with how good they shoot um so yeah i mean Again, like I said, like I don't think it's the end of the world for Philly to lose game two, but it's a serious problem, um, and they're going to need, like, Embiid to just show up and, like, dominate, like, like pre-injury uh, dominate. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's feasible. But so I, I think that, again, like, uh, you saw the adjustments in the second half, and they seem to work. So Yeah, I, th- I, think, Embiid, be I think Embiid will have a similar game. Um, yeah. And if, the, if, if they're you kind of fix up the defense, you're fine. Yeah, and they were scoring pretty easily. It was just the Hawks were sco- the Hawks were like trading two twos for threes and sort of just outpacing them that way. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah, I think if we see that aggressive defense on Trey, like in little spurts, it'll go a long way. Yeah. They're just like they're like okay, like when the Hawks get to 45 points, we're gonna do it in, yeah. until the end of the half, and then we're gonna we're just gonna switch it up, like. Just little little yeah. things like that, just that sort of make him super uncomfortable. I, I still, I'd still pick the Sixers to win this series in six, um, but yeah, so I think it goes a little bit longer because I thought they might be able to win it in five. Yeah, like I, I, I thought either Sixers and five, Sixers and six, or Hawks and six was the only three outcomes I could, I could really see. Um, you don't see a game seven? <laughs> uh, maybe. I, I, I don't know. Like. <laughs> I guess. I, like, that's just not something I, like, even really anticipated, you know? Yeah. So, I don't think, like, the Hawks could win a game seven in Philly. Oh, yeah. No, I'd be and, too tough. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it does go game seven, but I, I hope not because I, I kind of want to oh. – my financial interests are sort of <laughs> – Tied up and oh. not going that far. But, um, oh, okay. Now it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be a fun series. I think, that, like, really, we got. I mean, I, I think we still both think that the winner of that that Brooklyn Milwaukee series is going to yeah. go on come out of the East. But as far as the West, what we were talking about, that it's really wide open as much, as much as it's been since probably 2015 where you had the first year, the Warriors, you had the Grizzlies giving them some trouble in the second round. You had the Clippers playing the Rockets. Um, yes. And then we had that, that Western Conference Finals where the Warriors were, were able to beat the Rockets pretty easily. But um, a lot of those games were really close. And it was sort of a toss I mean, You didn't know. Yeah, yeah, when we got there, you didn't know who was coming out of the West when we entered yeah. the second round, and that's that's where we are right now. It could be any of those any of these four teams. Um, I think we'd be. I think let's say let's say you get Clippers Suns. That's that's a great matchup. Let's say you yeah, get. And I have no idea who comes out of that. Nuggets Jazz. I think that's a great matchup. You get Suns Jazz. That's I think that's probably the best out of all of them potentially. Yeah. Um, Nuggets Clippers could be cool for like the revenge aspect. Yeah, Nuggets it, Clippers. Like, I just don't think the Nuggets would have the firepower ultimately. Yeah, at, yeah. Because I think like 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know if they'd be able to score with them. Um, Suns Utah would be like seven hard fought games. Yeah, Suns Utah would <laughs> be bad blood. Like, I don't think those those two teams like It'd already don't like each other. Um, oh yeah, and the fan bases don't like each other. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> well, well, no one likes Utah. That's yeah. No one likes the Clippers either. So, um, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> they just don't have enough of them to be like a problem. Yeah. But we we've got we've got some great packed arenas now. We've got a lot of good quality teams. Some great series. I mean, every series in the second round is really you can make a case for either team coming out yeah. of it. Um, That's the first time in a while, that is the man. First time in a while. I mean, Ooh, if you think the last good. year we had, you know, like I don't like no one thought the. I guess some people thought the Rockets were beating the Lakers. Yeah, but like that felt like a like a long shot. Like I thought we thought they would push them a little bit further, but like beating them. Like Miami, I think I think awesome. like Miami, Milwaukee, like people were kind of like on the Miami thing, but yeah, there were, there were still people out there. And then I think the biggest toss of them all was the Celtics Toronto series, which ended yeah. up going yeah. down to the wire. And Nuggets yeah. Clippers, like the vast majority of people had the Clippers, and they actually lost. So. Um, this is this is sort of we're in sort of a rare spot right now. So um, enjoy these next two weeks, I guess. All right. Yep, that's all.